0: Hello and welcome to Plot Trists. This is Lane. This is Meg.
1: And today we're reviewing After Dark by Jane Castle.
0: This was published in the year 2000 and is the first in the Ghost Hunter series.
1: That said, we did review a novella that was the prequel to this series around last holiday.
0: Yes, we did. I forget when that was published, must have been like 98 or 99, and it was called Bridal Jitters.
2: And I'm glad we read that first, because that
1: novella, one, was really sexy, even though it was really weird, um, but two, because it sort of explains the difference between a covenant marriage and a marriage of convenience, and those things are alluded to in this book, but not explained at
0: all. <laughs> yeah. this. Let's read the book jacket, and then we'll talk about the series. All right. Life is tough these days for Lydia Smith, licensed para archaeologist. Seriously stressed out from a nasty incident in an alien tomb, she is obliged to work part time in Shrimpton's House of Ancient Horrors, a very low budget museum. She has a plan to get her, her, she has a plan to get her career back on track, but it isn't going well. Stuff keeps happening.
2: Take the dead body that she discovered in one of the sarcophagus exhibits. Who needed that? Finding out
1: that our new client, Emmett London, is one of the most dangerous men in the city isn't helping matters either. And that's just today's list of setbacks. Here in the shadows of the dead city of Old Cadence, things don't really heat up until after dawn. <laughs>
0: Alright, so as you may have noticed from this summary, there are a lot of things that just aren't explained. Like para-archaeology. And alien tombs.
2: <laughs> I mean, let alone who the hell he
1: is. Or, it just says he's dangerous. That's all you know about him.
0: Mm-hmm. And it this talks about the, old... the dead city of old Cadence. Basically, this book jacket. I mean, I honestly don't know. It, it's very interesting to read this book jacket after having read the book. Because you know what all this means. I would really be interested to find out about someone, find out what someone's take on it would be who who just was like, oh, I wonder what this book is about, you know?
1: I argue with the having finished the book, I know what all those words mean.
0: Because <laughs> I don't. But, I mean,
1: you have an idea. Sure. Co- contextually, I gathered some clues. But did this book tell me what the dead city of Old Cadence is? No, it did not. <laughs>
0: Uh, but anyway I, I'm not sure if like the actual book jacket you have the actual book um I'm wondering if the actual book jacket on on there says like this is a new you know futuristic series from best-selling author blah 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 or if it really just launches into this
1: it uh well it starts with a dear reader then it launches into those two paragraphs and then there's a third that says If, like me, you sometimes relish your romantic suspense with a paranormal twist, welcome to Lydia and Emmett's world. The rules are a little different here. Yours very truly signed by the author. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, there is no additional context on the actual book jacket, but at all.
0: Interesting. Interesting. All right. Should we do our random numbers and then talk about the series? One more thing. She
1: oh. signs this book, Jane Anne Krantz, writing as Jane Castle.
0: She writes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's the signature.
1: It's one thing to put it, like, on the cover so that if you like both authors. But that's how it's signed. Yeah. So now you can do what you were going to do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Guys, in case you were wondering, we have a slight disagreement about this book. I think it's, like, kind of campy fun. and Lane was not into it.
1: Spoiler alert, I don't
0: think this is a romance novel. All right. As usual, we generated a random number, and then we wrote summaries based on that number. And for this week, or for this episode, that random number is 16. I'll go ahead and just kick it off. Harmony, adding up alien archaeology, psychic powers, a sexy couple, and cute animal sidekicks since 2000.
1: There really wasn't even any archaeology in this book, I would argue,
0: Archaeology is a very interesting word.
1: I get that that was her career. Right. But the only time
2: you could sort of make the argument you were at an archaeological site, they were effectively using it as a quarry. Yes. I'm just putting that up
0: there. And I also think archaeology in Harmony is different than archaeology in the real world. Because, I think you're right,
1: but I didn't feel like that hair needed to be split in the prequel novella.
0: Sure. Yeah. No, in the prequel, in the prequel, I think they did, a I think Jane and Chris did a really good job in the prequel novella, actually, of sort of laying everything out. Um, and you had a lot of fun with it. Here, she is writing a duology. So she, this is actually the first in a duology. And I don't think that's clear on the jacket at all, which. Should have been sure. It
1: really wasn't clear reading the book. I finished right. it, and I'm a little surprised to hear there's another
0: one. Yeah, and the second book is what has the happily ever after. So this book has a happily for now, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, what's what's your sixteen word summary? A
1: secret archaeological find makes targets of both Lydia and Emmett. It's politically and emotionally complicated.
0: There you go.
2: Notice I didn't say romantically because again, this was not a romance novel. <laughs> so
0: yeah. I mean, uh, I I think it's I think it's the first half of a romance novel. I really do think it's a duology and I really think that if you read just one and not both, I I agree with you that it doesn't feel like a romance novel this one. Okay, So I don't disagree with you that it doesn't feel like a traditional romance. There are some romantic elements in it, for sure. There's a main couple. The focus is on their relationship. What's going to happen? How do they interact with each other?
2: To me, this is a... Paranormal detective book with a romance plot.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I definitely. I would have put this
1: romance that. adjacent, not.
0: romance. Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I do agree that it's it's definitely like romantic suspense with also paranormal elements.
1: Well, I think so. I, the reason I bring this up now is in trying to identify what the big romance novel trope is here.
2: I struggled and I came up with some, Mm -hmm. but I, as
1: I was trying to rack my brain for romantic tropes, I kind of realized what an insignificant part of the book. The romance was.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I would say it's sort of a, you know, it's a workplace romance in that he's her client. Mm -hmm. She's a consultant. She's working for him right? So it's like a sort of a boss employee workplace romance. I would say it would be the main trope, although it's also a romantic suspense.
1: So I would call the two main tropes what you just identified workplace-ish romance. But I also think there was an element of vampire werewolf romance here. Not that Mm -hmm. either of them are vampires or werewolves, but he's a ghost bounty hunter and she's a para-archaeologist and there is massive dislike of the other profession within each profession.
0: Yeah. All right. Should we just get into this weird, weird, this weird world building? Because I, I do feel slightly hypocritical because I have definitely gone off on a quarter of Thorns and Roses about how wishy-washy the world building is. And here the world building is like, doesn't really exist. <laughs> it, it's so ridiculous that it, it kind of cracks me up and I find it endearing. That said, I can understand why it could like probably bother someone else.
2: Uh, I'm willing to give this
1: a pass. She so didn't care about the world building. Not you at can't. All. It's not half-assed. It's no-assed.
0: She didn't care at all. Basically, so this is so supposedly. Here's the backstory. What happened was, these colonists from Earth decided to they they found a, a portal opened in the in space. I guess the wormhole or whatever. And they went through it and they found this really great new planet called Harmony. And they land on Harmony and they start making, start colonizing it. It's a great place. And then the portal closes. So they're now cut off from the planet Earth. And they have to find another source of energy because I guess, look, I don't really know why. Maybe they didn't have the infrastructure to find Petroleum. I don't know. <laughs> or I, it's their solar more like that Harry work.
1: Potter. Where like magic doesn't work in Amsterdam. Why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we
0: don't know. Uh, so instead of. I don't know. Solar power. Or. Um, fossil fuel power. Or wind power. What they have done. Is on this planet. They've developed psychic powers. And everyone has just a nice psychic power to, they call it, resonate with amber. (laughs) And so they res the amber. And that's what makes electricity. (laughs) But (laughs)
1: some people are more adept at it than others. So, like, some people have, like, just enough psychic ability to, like, open doors. Yeah. And, like, the lock is tied into their resonance. Other people end up like full ghost hunters and para-archaeologists.
0: Yes. And so uh, I think the more power you have, the more specialized it gets. Right? Mm -hmm. So everyone has enough power to do generalized things. But then the more power you get, the more specific it is. And Lydia is a... She is a para-archaeologist. And she's a tangler, is what they call her. And she can undo the illusion traps... (laughs) The aliens left. Oh, because I forgot. There are alien ruins on this planet as well. The aliens are all either dead or gone. They haven't found a dead body of an alien, so they don't really know what happened to them. No aliens left, but there are alien ruins. And they left behind these psychic traps that put you in, like, a coma and make you feel like total shit. And ghosts. But
1: they're not sure what the ghosts are. Like, the ghosts are just kind of balls of energy, unclear if they're actually dead
0: That's exactly what it is. It's just balls of energy, and that's what Emmett can do. He's a ghost hunter, and he can de-res the ghosts.
2: And summon them.
0: Yes, and he can also make a ghost, too. Mm
2: -hmm. It makes... Guys, like, just don't ask. That's... You kind of have to go into it with that. You're just going to be told specific things. About the world... And you just got to go with it. And I was like totally fine doing that and just
1: running with it.
0: Like completely honestly, the world building, as Lane says, is no ass. (laughs) But that's not the issue I think that she had with this book. Because then you're just like, yeah, you know, whatever, this is fine. Like was I looking forward to like getting more
1: detail about the no ass world development in the novella? And did I sort of think that part of the reason it was so poor was because it was a novella? Yes. It wasn't because it was a novella. Jane Jinkins isn't interested in building this world, and I accepted that and took it and tried.
0: Yeah, well, and the other funny thing is too. You know, like they're they're on a new they're on like a new planet, like brand new planet. But the only things that are different are these like psychic powers and the alien ruins, because everything else is the same. They eat salmon, pasta, pretzels, wine. Like I'm I'm just naming off these things that you know if you're on a different planet you probably would have to find other things to eat. Or wear. Well yeah, they wear jeans. They wear like early aughts fashion, which I kind of also love.
1: Or like structure your cities.
0: Yeah. So yeah. so anyway, the world building is not the book's strength. But it's also what makes it kind of silly and fun to just sort of be like, "Eh, you know, this is kind of fun, you know? Oh, yes. There's one other thing we didn't mention. It's about the way marriage works on the planet.
2: Well, we mentioned in the beginning that
1: the prequel novella explains the difference between a marriage of convenience and a covenant
2: marriage.
0: Basically, a marriage (laughs) of convenience is you get married, you sign a contract for a year. And if you get pregnant, then it converts to a covenant marriage, which is forever.
1: And the only reason you can get divorced is like adultery.
0: Adultery or abuse, I think. Yeah.
1: And it still has to be like found and proven by a private investigator.
0: So it's, I mean, it's, it's like back to, you know, 18th century marriage. Yeah. So anyway. Um, Not really relevant though, because no one gets married in this book. Not in this book. I said what I said you said what you said, and it's true. Look, I'm not disagreeing with you on that part. I think we disagree on how much we enjoyed this book. I think this book is pretty fun. It's ridiculous, but enjoyable.
2: Some of this is totally personal genre, whatever. I don't enjoy these sort of fluffier
1: detective romance novels that sort of try to be funny mm-hmm. most of the time, whether they're para or in the modern day, like this is just not my genre. Yeah. Um, unless it's done really well. And I think it's rarely done really well. I actually thought the mystery here was so tedious and boring, which I know we disagreed on that, that really, because I identify was like, oh, this doesn't really feel like a romance to me. Okay, well then the mystery must be the main thing. And the mystery was bad. So. Yeah, and, and so, I'm sorry. And Meg is going to talk about this later, but I want to say it now. He moves in with her very early, and it is so closed door.
0: <laughs> it's the thing is too. It's like really slow burn for him moving in with her. So he basically he's like, oh, this is more dangerous than I expected. So I'm gonna drop you as a consultant, and she's like, no, you're my way out of this shitty job that I have you can't drop me as a consultant so she refuses to she he asks for her resignation and she refuses to tender it and so because he feels responsible for her safety he's just like I'm moving into your apartment so that when people send ghosts after you I can derez them basically
2: yeah
1: and you get a lot of mentions of erections that nothing happens with
0: yeah, like, you know, she's in her bedroom, and then she's wearing, like, a T-shirt, and he's just wearing his trousers or his boxers or whatever the heck it is. And there are a lot of fraught moments where they see each other or brush up against each other. But, again, as Lane says, takes a long time for anything to happen. And then when it does, it's Lane. <laughs> so... So they spend most of their time doing their investigative work, right? Which Mm -hmm. is, if you, so Jane and Krentz slash Jane Castle, who wrote this book, also writes as Amanda Quick. Mm -hmm. And if you think back on the book we read most recently by her, the um, Deception, not Deception, that's not... So it's also in uh, Amanda Quick. And if you think back to the book that we read a year ago, uh, Dangerous, which was them investigating some murders, they basically do the same thing. So I think it's kind of an interesting, for me, as a huge Amanda Quick fan, I really like seeing the connections between her futuristic novels and her contemporary novels. And I do think it's fun to be like, oh, remember how they went to the pawn shop and talked to the people there? Well, they do the same thing in this one. So I personally enjoy that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I'm less of an Amanda Quickstand than you are. I like some of her books that we've reviewed for the podcast. And it's funny, I usually think she's a pretty good writer. And I found this one very awkwardly written. Yeah. Uh, I thought some of the dialogue was very clunky. And I will get to a specific example. In a bit. Sure. Um, but even some of the descriptions of, like, contract negotiations, I felt were very, like, stilted. Yeah. I, yeah, I just, this is not my favorite of hers, period, for reasons even beyond the stuff that frustrated me. I thought it wasn't her best written book.
0: Yeah. I'd, I I think that's fair. I came to these after after reading all of her Amanda Quicks and most of her contemporaries as Dana and Krenz, And I was like, well, what? Else, do I have to read by this author? And there were these. And I was like, okay, well, I'll read them. So I think I was willing to forgive her more than you.
1: Yeah. Whereas I'm reading this kind of without any of the context for her personally, without the sort of desire to read her entire pantheon of literature. Mm -hmm. And this one, it's, it's, I think, okay, two things. One, admit this isn't my thing. And two, the novella was so much better. Yeah. Like, I feel this was... I had expectations, even though yeah. this isn't usually my thing, because I like the novella. And then this was like, oh, okay.
0: Yeah. One of the things I do like about this book is their relationship. So I, I like that he does not disclose to her that he's a ghost hunter for a while because he's attracted to her and he doesn't want her to get the wrong idea. So I guess most... Tanglers uh, have a lot of degrees and, you know, they're like seen as being intelligent um, and, you know, smart, whereas ghost hunters are just a hired muscle who go and protect them when they're underground.
1: And she specifically had what she believes to be a bad experience with ghost hunters in the recent past. So she's personally even more prejudiced against them than her archaeologists usually are.
0: And what I liked about him was instead of coming out, you know, guns blazing, I think that maybe, you know, one of the things I liked is that he came out and instead of trying to defend himself, he was like, yeah, I mean, you know, some ghost hunters are kind of macho jerks. (laughs) And he's like, because he likes her, because he's attracted to her and he does respect her, he's like trying to keep it under wraps as long as he can. That not only is he a ghost hunter, he was, like, the head of the ghost hunter guild in a different city. (laughs) I don't know, Lane. I, like, loved it. so stupid. And I thought it was so
2: great.
1: I didn't mind that he hid that from her. I I do think, to say something positive, Jane and Grince did a good job. Jane Castle did a good job here of... describing a professional relationship and dynamic and the reasons they sort of wanted to cross the line like you know I didn't tell you something that wasn't pertinent to the investigation I hired you for and her argument is sort of it got way bigger than that real fast but it wasn't relevant at the time like I understood why things were so piecemeal Um, I I think that was well justified I didn't have an issue I I, like I would not say I was frustrated because he hid things from her at all about this even though he did
0: So there's that, and then, I don't know, I just like, I like that Lydia, specifically as a heroine, is pretty unlikable. I like that about her. I mean, she's very brash, she she very much has her own ideas and own opinions, and she basically just does what she wants, and I liked
2: that he was attracted to that. I'm not going to lie, this felt very generic plucky girl detective as a character for me.
1: I wouldn't have called her likable or unlikable. I feel like whenever I read a book with a modern-esque, whether paranormal or actual modern day, like bounty hunter, amateur detective, private consultant, heroine, she always ends up being sort of plucky and impetuous.
0: I don't think I've read, I may have read actually fewer of those than you have. Which may also be why this feels slightly fresher to me.
1: Maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, we'd have to go through our entire Goodreads history, which is not that happening.
0: No, not going to happen. All right. So, like I said, this is a happily for now. It leaves their relationship pretty unresolved at the end. He doesn't even, I think he, like, does he even have an apartment in the same city by the end? No. Yeah, so he, he was crashing at her place, and then at the end he's kind of like, eh, maybe I'll stick around for a while in this city, you know, because he was only in town to to solve this mystery. And she's like, okay, maybe we can continue dating, basically. So their relationship is, you are correct that it doesn't feel romance novel. It feels like mystery, You're right. It does feel like a mystery where they're like, okay, well, we're going to take the first step in this relationship. And that's the end of the book. And it also leaves a lot of plot points and character elements incomplete. So there are these things that are established and you, you, in a romance novel, you would expect them to pay off by the end and they don't. So I also see why you didn't feel like this was a romance novel because of that. There's another character there are another couple of characters who appear in the book and you feel like there's more going on there you also don't know what the heck happened as lane said she had a bad experience with some other ghost hunters and you don't really know what happened during that time that she doesn't constantly. either it's not she like doesn't. she's
1: being vague she doesn't know what happened
0: yes which i think made it slightly more acceptable to you lane yes <laughs> so but those that's completely unresolved
1: yeah you don't know what happened with that whole missing period of time for her um, you don't know why it was she was there or why it was covered up mm-hmm. and then there there are some other characters you come onto the page who clearly have like historic relationships that aren't really delved into here yeah i didn't care <sighs> which probably tells you a lot about how i ended up feeling
0: lane also, was like oh i wonder what's gonna happen next
1: no also i was laughing they make it there's this character who constantly calls Emmett son and they make it clear that there actually might be a paternity question in the way some of
2: it's worded but all i could think was hamilton have you seen or seen it or listened to it oh so there's this scene where alexander hamilton and george
1: washington are fighting and george washington keeps calling hamilton son and hamilton just keeps saying don't call me son don't call me son. And the fight ends with him saying, call me son one more time. <laughs> and so in my head, I am hearing this argument in the cadence
2: of Lynn manuel Miranda's Tony Award money musical.
0: Got it. So uh, this felt like a sitcom ending to you?
1: Yeah, just in that, I think it was with a happily up for now. Yeah. Like in the way that a 90s sitcom, especially would want to, like, leave the season cliffhanger with, yes. like, uh, you had the big reunion, but it wasn't quite firm enough. Mm-hmm. Because, like, obviously a 90s sitcom, in my head, not even realizing it was a duology, was like, well, because you're not going to show porn on TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it ends with the chaste kiss and the agreement we're going to date, and then they can throw it all out next season if they want to. Right. Like, that was the tone of the ending for me.
0: Yeah. And I've talked about her writing sitcom endings or sitcom scenes before, too, but in a different way. Yeah. More where all the, all the characters show up and all the plot points get tied up and it's funny. Well, and...
1: That certainly doesn't happen here.
0: No, it doesn't. Um, I have to call out the
1: worst dialogue choice in this entire book. So the bi- two big bads are revealed at the very end. Mm-hmm. And one of them is present with murderous intent. And what the page says is, you gosh darned SOB. I want to be clear. It wasn't goddamn son of a bitch and I'm trying not to curse. It says, gosh darned SOB. <laughs> what? It was like, very Scooby-Doo. Yes, it was so Scooby-Doo. And in a way that like, it didn't feel like it was supposed to be. Like, the stakes were actual death, and they just found people who'd been, like, imprisoned for weeks. And, like, the other thing I found hilarious is these people who are imprisoned for weeks and being forced to work and not being allowed out into the light. Emmett finds them, and he's, like, looks at the guy who, mind you, has been wasting away in a jail cell for almost a month and goes, you can fight hand-to-hand combat, right? It's like what? <laughs> like i felt like the tone of the ending was so slapstick scooby-doo you're so, so right and it the is. rest of the book wasn't it was just very jarring for me
0: the, i mean the ending is definitely it really is like i would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you gosh darn kids it was it it, it it is very scooby-doo
1: just for a book that was i was expecting an r-rated paranormal romance and what i got was scooby-doo I I wonder, I will totally admit, I don't know how much of my feelings about this were expectation versus reality.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I enjoy this. I think I am enjoying, like, a little bit of Scooby-Doo now and then. If you think you might be into that, I would say read it, but read both of them, the first and the second.
1: So the tone of this reminded me a little bit of the early Stephanie Plum books. I doubt you ever mm-hmm. read those. They're about A Jersey Bounty Hunter by Janet Ivanovich. Yeah. I've subsequently stopped reading the series. I believe they're on book 28 now. Um, and it's a book series with no progress. Like, no one's mm. aged. It's just like a different mystery. There's yeah. no real character development between books. I think I stopped around books six because I thought they stopped getting funny around then. But I like the first, the early books in that series better. I think they're funnier. They've got a plucky girl. That's Bounty hunter in that case, but I think I've read this genre ad- adjacent with a similar setup that I liked more. Yeah, so I think even without the Scooby, like, and they're very Scooby Doo y. So, like I said, I don't know how much of it is expectation versus reality. Instead of a pet dust bunny, Stephanie Plum has a pet hamster named Rex. Like, uh-huh. there were a lot of parallels, and this definitely predates Stephanie Blum's. So like, I'm not trying to say this rip those off at all, but I'm just saying, like. I've read similar stuff that I think is better executed.
0: Yeah, look, Scooby Doo has a pet too. I mean, Scooby Doo is a dog, so you but Scrappy Doo shows up too. That's true. <laughs> saying,
1: but no, so oh, I don't want to say like I don't like the Scooby Doo or the Fantastic. I it, that's not what I was expecting.
0: That's totally fair. Completely fair. Uh, Did anything offend you about this book? I've completely. i'll just mention that we are in the late 90s early 2000s so as romance novels go i don't think there are really consent issues that said we're in no means no versus yes means yes so sometimes he'll be like i'm gonna kiss her and hopefully she won't push me away right (laughs) hopefully i'm reading her right and i mean he is reading her right For the most part. And
1: then when she changes her mind and says no, even mid-kiss, he's respectful of it. He's pissy, but he's not, like, forceful.
0: Yeah. So I I just want to mention that I I honestly don't think it's a big deal. Like, I'm not giving you a warning the way I might about some other early uh, early 90s romances. This isn't that way at all, but I just want to throw that out there. It is a no means no world. Not a
1: yes means yes.
0: So there is another character in the book. Her name is Tamara. And she's uh, she's the only... You no, know, There's there are two other women characters, basically. There's um, Lydia's friend, who works with her at the museum, and the who shows up.
1: sex-phrase one, because... Yes. Typical of the detective running her romance genre.
0: Yeah. There, actually, there are three. So there's her, then there's um, this woman neighbor who lives in the the apartment building with her but she doesn't show up very much Uh, and then there is one other person who shows up and she's presented as being just a complete gold digger and she gets no character development beyond that so she's basically just presented as a villain and i think it's a shame in in any book where there's not a diversity of female characters
1: yep also, when those female characters
2: have a history with the male protagonist that is left stupidly fake. Yeah. All right.
0: Do you want to mention anything else? Or I don't think it necessarily needs anything. Nah. And I think we already talked about sexy. This is not super sexy. It's also not very explicit. So We get a lot of, like, his hardness and her softness. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Again, the novella was like weird but hot. This was not weird. Every time they hook up they're in her apartment. Yeah.
1: And not that hot. I'm very confused.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I I enjoyed this book. I, this is the second time I've read it, uh, but I do own a copy because I think it's fun. Um, So I like it a lot. Yes. So decide whether you want a goofy Scooby-Doo, sort of spooky, but not really book. And if you don't, you know, you may want to skip it. If you do... I think it's really fun and I think it's a good series starter, especially if you read the second in the series. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'd love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends that this is the best podcast ever and check us out around the internet, especially at plottrist.wordpress.com, which has an episode guide, which is amazing.